Hi friends, welcome to the Partnership Podcast, exploring gospel partnership and generosity in the Bible, alongside stories of support raising from around our fellowship. We pray you'll be encouraged by it. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of the Partnership Podcast and thanks Sally for joining me again. Oh, hi Kat, good to join you again. So today we're going to be talking about Luke 16, 1 to 15. Uh, And I'll invite you to pray with me as we start. Oh, our loving Father, we thank you for your generosity. And we thank you for the gift of your word and that it speaks to us. And we pray that it would shape our lives and every part of our partnership, mission, message and methods. And we pray today that you'd help us to grow in shrewdness in thinking about money that you'd help us to be faithful in our support raising duties and in how we handle money. That you'd help us to make eternal friends and that you'd encourage us to keep serving you and not serving money. Father, please strengthen and encourage us as we hear and talk about all these things. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, thanks, Kat. So now we're going to read uh, Luke 16, 1 to 15, and I'm reading from the ESV. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and he said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be a manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Mm. Well, I feel like this is not always everyone's favourite passage to discuss or to spend time thinking deeply about. Um, But Mm. there's certainly a lot here in the passage about material resources and how they are used for the kingdom and for God's purposes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um 
you know, we often talk about the kind of last part, so verse kind of 10 uh, to 13. Well, don't think so much about this <laughs> beginning part about the shrewd manager. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky, a tricky passage, but I think um, as far as I can see, um, and, you know, we we're looking at some notes from a, a commentator as well, and they were saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't press all the details in the parable, <laughs> but um, the main uh, thing is just using the money um, that we have wisely. Mm. Mm. Shrewdly, yeah. Shrewdly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I was thinking uh, a bit about that um, verse 9 particularly, uh, mm. make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it's gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. And I feel like we could spend our mm. whole episode just unpacking that. But I think just in the context of the parable, um, that focus on the dishonest wealth, well, I think, what was your translation in the ESV? Um, it was the unrighteous wealth. Yeah, and I think the NIV has worldly wealth. Uh, the the yeah. Greek um, has the ektu mamona tes adikias which is the unrighteous mammon, like there's a real sense of unrighteousness or un, un, injustice mm. that goes with that. Um, Thayer says it's a deceitful riches here mm. in this verse. Um, but I think this, uh, there's a, that sense when it uses the same phrase in verse 11 that it's uh, the wealth now, there's something kind of tainted or dishonest or worldly about it, but actually there's a true riches to come. So I wonder if the unrighteousness mm. is that um, the wealth now uh, and the, mm. the exhortation here then is to use that, our, our resources here and now, tainted as they are for the sake of the kingdom, to use them shrewdly. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and not just uh, shrewdly, but he says, uh, verse 9, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that, it, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. So, um, yeah, helping out other people through a generous use of money um, and God will give an eternal reward is maybe where that's sort of heading is that idea of an eternal reward through generous use of the worldly or unrighteous wealth. Yes. And I think last time we talked about the eschatology in our last Bible conversation in episode five, we were talking about the uh, eschatological benefits of partnership in terms of the money category and the mm. treasure in heaven. But here I think that eternal benefit or reward of using the worldly wealth in this way is a relational benefit as well, that it's a welcome mm. into eternal homes, that you'll have almost eternal friends um, mm. because of how you use it. And so I think then thinking about that um, benefit, I was saying in our last episode that uh, when our supporters give money to us, they are actually making purses for themselves. They're making treasure in heaven, um, but they're also not just in the money category, they're also making friends for themselves. And so it's just such a, mm. a, a good thing for, the, for them. Mm. I, don't, I think actually when they give money to us, it, it doesn't actually benefit us eternally, but it benefits them eternally. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like we don't need to understand all the ins and outs of how exactly it benefits 
eternally, but it is very clear that it there is an eternal benefit. Um, yeah. And I, and I think, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say on the theme of kind of godly shrewdness, um, mm. what does that look like in our partnership as well? I think just there's a commendation about acting shrewdly here in a, um, mm. yeah, more shrewdly uh, than uh, the world. <laughs> um, in our partnership, I think actually tending to it, it's, it probably is shrewd and shows foresaw- forethought and foresight to make sure that we do care for our existing supporters and that we tend to our partnership and that we cultivate relationships for gospel benefit. Um, Mm. I think it's okay that God is kind enough to benefit us too through those relationships, but there is actually an eternal benefit for others. And so I think it's not a shrewd thing and we probably maybe could be accused of being um, less shrewd, uh, the children of light being less shrewd than the others in our generation when we ignore our partnership and kind of cut off our resourcing of our ministry through our busyness Mm. or um, just not engaging in partnership Mm. sufficiently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's an interesting, an interesting idea. Um, and also, like, I think verse ten is really helpful. You know, one is one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who's dishonest in very little is dishonest in much. And actually, you know, we need to be, um, yeah, faithful in in what God has given us. You know, we don't want to go down the path of saying, well, if we're faithful, God will just give us more and more and more um, wealth in this life. Um, you know, there's obviously a danger in, in going there. But at the same time, this passage does say, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? So being faithful in what God has given us now actually means that God will entrust us um, more responsibility, more resources in the life to come. And yeah. um Again, it's think, the eternal benefit being in the money, the riches kind of category mm, of thinking. Yeah. 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 I think this has real application to how we think about teaching students as well. And I know mm. I heard this when I was a student and it was really significant thinking, you know, about how I don't have much money now, but I need to learn how to give now so that I can become generous mm. later. And I think actually God's brought lots of fruit from that that exhortation to be generous when I didn't have much money. Um mm. Yeah, I'm really thankful for that teaching. Mm, absolutely. I, I agree. I think um, that was something that I also learned as a student, which um, has definitely helped over the years. Yeah, and I think it also helps you um, with, um, you know, the idea about not being able, not serving God and money. So, you know, when you are faithful with a small amount, say, for example, as a student, um, mm. thinking about how you can use your money for God, um, that helps you not to, to be chasing after money even once, you know, the full-time salary starts coming in um, yeah. because you already started on that perspective of actually um, serving God first. Um, yeah. And so kind of having that theology right um, as a student actually really makes a difference once you start earning the money to protect you against seeking after money um, as, as the main aim. Yeah, and I sometimes talk to staff who are talking with me about how to approach graduates and they realise once they start to talk to graduates that they actually haven't been very well formed in thinking about generosity and money, Um, Mm. which in some way that's not very shrewd of us (laughs) um, if we haven't set up our graduates well and it doesn't set them up well for thinking about treasure in heaven and for, um, or even like in verse 12, 
If you've not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? Um, Mm. There's something like we're just stewarding the money now, but there's something about the eternal rewards that will be more ours, more lasting, more like we'll have a different quality of ownership of it. And Mm. I think if so, if we don't, we're shortchanging our students in our graduates if we haven't set them well up, up well Mm. to think about those things. Mm, definitely I think that's yeah that's really key yeah definitely. I think verse um, 13 is really significant no slave can serve two masters for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and wealth and I just think this again reinforces what an essential um, aspect of maturity for students and for our potential partners uh, mm. I think God doesn't need to use you to um to mature his people. Uh, although if Christian leaders and Christian ministries aren't calling his people to be generous, I'm not sure who is. And I think in his wisdom, the means by which most ministries are resourced is um, by encouraging people, God's people to be generous. And um, many appeals for generosity occur in that context. And I just think uh, that's part of God's plan and arrangement of his people, um, both in the mm. Old Testament and in the New Testament, that it's the job of Christian leaders and Christian ministries who are doing other things as well to call his people to be generous so those things can happen. Mm, that's very true. Yeah, because mm. I think, um, yeah, it's very easy to get caught up with those ideas of just, um, yeah, focusing on looking after ourselves first. Um, but mm. actually we, we all need to remember that if we're serving God first, then we need to be generous with our money as well, um, mm. as God is generous to us. And I think, um, you know, this is something that we also need to reflect on. Uh, are we, um, motivated by chasing after the, the security of, our, um, our incomes or are we actually trusting God? To provide, um, are we starting to think too much about money um, and not enough about loving God? Um, and so, this mm. is just a reminder for all of us as well that we need to be um, serving God first and foremost. Yeah, I think it's a key um, spiritual issue of the West and well, the whole world. Um, and yet, often we're really blind to it. And I think we often think of money as either neutral or unspiritual. But here. Jesus is setting mammon up as an idol, as a rival to God and warning people um, that you can't love, you can't love money. You can't serve two masters. And so Mm. we need to set our students up. We need to keep helping our potential partners to be aware of this, the spiritual thing that's happening when they're deciding how to spend their money and deciding what's Mm. going on. Um, Mm. Yeah, and I think there's that just that warning in verse 14. You see the Pharisees who are lovers of money and they hear all this and ridicule him and he um, accuses them of justifying themselves in the sight of others but God knows their hearts. <clears throat> and that that greed, that love of money that other people, um, uh, what does it say, it's prized by human beings. It's an abomination in the sight of God. And I just think that's, again, that's that strong warning that we saw like in chapter 12 to take care and to be on guard against the danger of money. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Do you want to lead us in praying, Sal, as we finish up? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the opportunity 
that we have to to learn more of your heart um, and the way that um, you warn us about the dangers of of chasing money um, and the way that we can use money to um, uh, be faithful and to uh, build our eternity. Um, thank you, Lord, that you have provided um, for each of us. And we do pray, Lord, that you would help us as we continue to, um, yes, yeah, seek, seek you first, um, seek to um, love you wholeheartedly, not to chase money. Um, help um, us to encourage students and potential supporters uh, to to be considering how they're using their wealth uh, for you um, and reminding people uh, and ourselves that we cannot serve you and money and help us not to be lovers of money but to be lovers of you and so we pray this in your name amen Amen. Well, thanks, Sally, for joining me to chat. And we'll be back next time um, or in two episodes for episode nine and continuing our explorations of partnership ministry in the Gospels. Okay, bye for now.